Sedan looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all. And welcome to Five Stripe Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United. Part one, Joe Patrick, part one. You know what I've been doing today? No. Watching the weather. That's we got some major so storms coming through. We got some major storms coming through South Georgia. Protect uh-huh. yourself. There's tornadoes out there, man. They're coming your way. You're in Athens. That's, They're coming your way. It's terrifying. It's pouring in Athens. So. This is scary. Uh, maybe we should get past the weather talk, though, uh, and and move on to discussing the game that happened a few gay a few days ago, a few games ago, a few days ago uh, on Wednesday over in Kennesaw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, five stripes, five stripes as hell, Joe Patrick. Five stripes as hell. Yeah, I'll, I'll be bringing it back to the weather later on. But um, oh god, why? You don't have to. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty pretty great game on Thursday. Made me feel a lot better. Going into the game, I was thinking. I was like very much having doubts about Frank DeBoer and Atlanta United's. So Patrick, let, let me clarify this and put this into context for people. You picked Atlanta United to finish fourth in the Eastern Conference. I'm that sticking with my you're... pick. We're we're zero games into the season. <laughs> I'm sticking with my pick. Okay, so this is kind of the crux of this whole episode is that uh, right now we we have mostly positive feelings towards everything because we were, we're recording it like an hour and a half before we we kick off the dc game uh so we figure those opinions may change you wanted to go ahead and get our Ardiano opinions into you uh before uh everything potentially changes and we go back to being all doom and gloom but right now right now everything's great except for joe patrick thinks everything is more terrible than we we realize well really what happened was i made this prediction before thursday so uh-huh if it you know if I'd seen th- Thursday first, then uh, maybe things would have been a little different. That's yeah, how that's I, how I, emotionally unstable I am right now. <laughs> I do. It's all that baseball. I do want to point out that uh, on the last episode of SFF, which I guess we're calling it now, I just decided yeah. um, you were very much like no one overreact, no one like take <laughs> too much into it, and then you were like fourth. I was putting on a strong face. So, <laughs> we see the real you. Let's see the real you, Joe Patrick. Um, well, let's let's talk about what exactly changed. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other HVADs and podcasts out there kind of dissecting exactly some of the stuff that went on. And, mm-hmm. and obviously everything was much, much improved. But there there are a few things I think we can focus on. Um, and one of my favorite things, so let's let's start at the back and move forward. How about that? Yeah, that's uh, good. My favorite thing that, that changed uh, from the first leg uh, of Ariana was uh, the, the switch of Miles Robinson to the outside and Michael Parkhurst centrally at the center back position. Uh, we, we got to see Miles run around a little bit more and, and kind of act more as uh, a rover, I guess, a little bit. He was able mm-hmm. to sweep up a lot more, I felt like, and everything just felt a lot more comfortable at the back. Well, yeah, it's one of those things that I think Matt Doyle called it out um, when the first game was going on, saying that it was a basically a flaw in the tactical system that DeBoer was deploying in that game. And for the, you're right. So going back to that time, I was kind of saying like, don't overreact to, especially a lot of the tactical things that were happening because of the condition of the field, which the players and the manager, Frank DeBoer all, all mentioned after the second leg that the first leg um, turf was just 
abominable to play on yeah. essentially. Um, but I did that, you know, for, for as much as me saying that advocating for people not to overreact at that time, I do, I did think that actually that was one of the, one of the tactical, um, yeah, flaws in the, in the system there. I think that, you know, you should just put the players in the positions where they're most comfortable. I, I, I can see why, like you can work it out in theory, why he may have wanted to make that switch so that miles could basically be like the backup defender for either side. But, um, really that right side, you need someone who's better in one-on-one situations. And I think that we really saw that in the game Thursday. Absolutely. Everything looks steadier. And I'm all aboard the Miles Robinson hype train for, for 2019. Uh, I, he's so damn fast, man. Yeah. I, I, I think I told, I don't know if I tweeted or just told somebody, I think he's the second best center back on the team right now. I think he's kind yeah. of like in his current form. I think he's, I feel confident in him in most situations to be, to be perfectly honest. Um, he had a, he had a goal saving tackle uh, in the, I think it was in the first half. Um, it was the one where Breck kind of uh, screwed up a play on the left side and uh, with, with like a, he tried to like heel pass or something and they had a breakaway and uh, miles Robinson. Yeah. He saved a goal, but I think my overall, like what I was most impressed with Thursday. And it's something that Frank DeBoer mentioned after the game was he said that Atlanta uh, dominated the game without the ball. And I think that that's something um, that really like will lend itself to more long term success or, you know, it it shows that there's more stability um, than maybe we thought there was in the first leg when the team completely did not do that. Um, They looked really comfortable and solid and compact as a unit. And it seemed like in the first leg they were constantly getting stretched. And in this second leg, they were there were a lot fewer spaces for Herediano to work in. I do want to say that. You're talking about some of the quotes Frank DeBoer had. Frank DeBoer also had a big, big night. One from a PR perspective for the fans and everything going around the negativity from that first game and just to Mm -hmm. go ahead and get a win, which is something he failed to do at some other stops. Um, That was big, but also just watching him in the press conference was very impressive. Um, You know, he's switching back and forth between languages. He's making Justin Veldheis a little obsolete from time to time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, which is incredible. But also, he, there were a couple of moments that I, I tweeted out that I want to talk about just a little bit here, uh, where um, one of them being uh, the however the communications person was for the Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League mm-hmm. uh, was rapping, trying to wrap up the press conference. She had called last question, but DeBoer noticed that some reporter, I don't know who the reporter was, but hadn't gotten the question in. Mm-hmm. and saw his hand up and stopped everything. And as everyone was trying to get him to leave, he paused and made sure that question got answered. So that was super impressive on, on his part uh, from perspective of dealing with us. And yeah, he just seems nice. He seems like a nice guy. He's a nice yeah. guy. His heart's in the right place. I like how um, when I ask him a question and I'm like really fumbling it towards the end, which I tend to do, like I can't mm-hmm. wrap up my question. And it's just like diarrhea coming out of my mouth of words. <laughs> Um, like in the past when it was translated, uh, Justin didn't really, it's not his job to pick up on those cues. It's his job to wait for me to finish and then, and then translate for Tata. Um, and I like how now Frank DeBoer will just like understand that the question's done being asked and just start answering the question. It's super solid. Super solid. He's got our backs. He's got our back. And if he's got the media's back, then he's going to get a lot of good press, man. He's going to get a lot of good PR. Um, yeah, so, maybe it's maybe it's strategic. Maybe it's, you know him answering that question is just one. It yeah, it's just it the long, yeah. not the long con, but the long, the long term play. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't feel. I still don't feel bad about some of the jokes I made before he before he got there, um, because 
let's just face it, he looks like a like a B movie James Bond villain still. But besides that, like very very impressive overall with with Frank. We got to yeah. get his fit a little better though. He he was very much outdressed by now former CS Erdiano manager uh, Hernan Medford. Oh yeah. Look, the, the fitted hat and the jacket <laughs> and everything like that. We, we're yeah, not oh, yeah. wanting to talk about style too much because um, we're sports writers. And... Well, anyone who knows me will know that that the Herediano coach Medford, uh, I'm all about that style. Yeah? Okay. Oh, yeah. I dig. Yeah. I dig. Well, now he's going to have to find somewhere else to wear that style. Five Stripes done killed another coach. Uh, yeah. I think the first body was Jason Christ, but now add a Hernan Medford to that, uh, which yeah. is harsh, but okay. The shame. Fine. He yeah. seemed really sad post game. He did. I and after the fact, it all kind of made sense. But I mean, it was like, yeah, teary eyed. I wonder. I like thinking back about. It, I wonder if like he had already been told, like, "Hey, we'll let you finish out Concacaf Champions League," and then because they're you know they're doing support. I don't know. Probably not. That that probably isn't a thing that would happen. But I'm sure he. Had it some seemed like that. Like he seemed idea. very sad. Yeah, it, no. but to his credit, I mean, he manned up. He was or not manned up. He just. uh <laughs> We are progressive. We're not going to use that kind of loaded gender <laughs> language. Um, that was word vomit. But uh, he was very resolute in that there were no excuses for him to make. And it yeah. was on him. And that was, that was impressive for him to step up and then claim responsibility. Yeah. Uh, even though it probably all wasn't his fault. He, he also made a lot of really interesting points, too, uh, about just the disparity between the, the two clubs and just how wealthy, you know, mm-hmm. In every sense, Atlanta United is compared to Ariano. Uh, that will not be the case when we go to Monterey next or this week. But uh, yeah. still, it, it kind of shows that that three one was extremely impressive for that them to go out there and and really compete and, and beat the hell out of us. Really, that first like all, all credit to them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I thought that was interesting, and I was actually pretty impressed by the amount of Costa Rican press that were there. Um, I was yeah. able to meet one of them, one of the guys. Uh, the day before at the at the press con the pre match press conference and it's so funny like one of them was like on the phone during the press conference like talking into his little Apple earbuds <laughs> like to his editor or something yeah. uh, it's like the, the the he he eventually hung up you know but like it was like for, during the first like question or two and it's just kind of funny to see that cultural difference in like media styles you know yeah. um, I'm sure it's there cool. were three or four AJC writers just fuming about it later. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Yeah. We love them. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was also anyway, a decent uh, contingent of Ariana fans there too, which is super. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how many of them traveled or how many just kind of live in the area. But uh, yeah, that was, pre- that was pretty cool to see. And it was good to see. I saw lots of pictures of fans, you know, like with the Herediana supporters just, you know, having a good time together. And I think that, um, yeah, hopefully that and kind of, both clubs endeared themselves to one another. So I think it was good. I think it was yeah. good. And especially good that we, uh, that we advanced. <laughs> yes. Especially because we would all be Twitter would be bad. Everything would think be bad. We're Black talking. Be bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we're talking about the niceties of the fans and engaging with one another, which would only happen after, a, after a win there. Yeah. <laughs> For real. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Uh, but <laughs> Hey, we started. The, I started this by saying let's move back to Ford, and then I immediately decided to talk about Hernan Medford's hats. So <laughs> maybe we get back to some of the differences. Uh, we can move up a, a tier here and talk about. Uh, well, first off, Nagby was 
definitely in the lineup this time, but interestingly, he wasn't not he wasn't the catalyst he was in that first game. Yeah. He's probably one of the worst players on it the was weird. in this one. You would have thought he you would have thought the the performances would be flipped based on just the context surrounding it. You know, the fact that he hadn't really trained much before the first leg where he went out and was the dominant player on the pitch. Um, and then, yeah, in the I, I still thought he was fine in in Thursday's mm-hmm. game, but it was just that final ball wasn't quite there for him. Some some misplaced passes that broke up a, a phase of possession or something, um, just not like what we're normally accustomed to seeing. But overall, I thought he and Rometty as a pairing really controlled the game in a way that they definitely did not uh, in the first leg. And that was that was quite noticeable and very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then on the wing a little bit, or just on the wing, you have Breck Shea uh, coming in, who was apparently the, the height to turf ratio was good enough for Frank DeBoer this time to play Breck Shea. <laughs> Clearly, based on what we saw. I mean, like, DeBoer nailed that one. Yeah, so there was, I mean, there was just so much space for him and Gressel on the wing. And the, yeah. if they wanted to continuously send diagonal balls out to Shea and Gressel, they were there and they were easy. Yeah, Honestly, and, ma- uh, and major kudos. Night. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. Go. I was going to say major kudos to, to Gressel because I feel like we don't talk about him as much now because his performances are kind of a little bit more expected and maybe we're more interested to see Breck Shea, you know, making his debut for the club and stuff like that. But like, I thought he was, if it was not Ezekiel Barco, I would have said Gressel as the man of the match. Just not even, I mean, his goal was was very good and very well taken. But even aside from that, he was having such good touches all night and and mm. keeping the ball in play and linking uh, with Barco and with his center back uh, behind him, like just very, very good performance from him. And I feel like sometimes we can he can get lost in the shuffle a bit because he's so consistent. Um, but just want to give him a shout out. Yeah, I called him a uh, super powered Swiss Army knife is my description of him now. It's just one of those things where everything he does is is done well and, and done uh you know, it's it's a various things he can get done. It's just yeah. so, just so what's much. It, what's we're ex- too used to it now. We're spoiled. What's exciting to me about him is that he's gotten like he was good when he came into the league for as a rookie, but he's mm-hmm. noticeably gotten better. Um, even from from his first year to his second year, and it looks like already from his second to his third. And I'm not even talking about stats or productivity. I'm just talking about when you see him. You know, the touches are cleaner. Um, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, and then look at Robinson too. It's it's obvious yeah. that when United's get to a place where we're seeing uh, the talent we're developing start to come out too, and it's it's really exciting to kind of think about that when the academy can start doing that as well. Um, I'm sure we'll see Bello a few times here in the coming weeks. I'm sure we'll see Carlton a few times here, and hopefully continue to see positive changes for them. Uh, and then there are other youngsters who are also doing very very well. And Joe Patrick, that's the transition into. Ezekiel Barco being real, real damn good the entire night. You're you're a man of the match, actually. Yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, I thought that he, he just made everything tick. He was kind of the one that the best play that Atlanta had on the night was going through. Um, just one of those performances where it seems like the ball is he's constantly in and around the ball and making things happen. And it's just so great to see. Um, I, it seems to me like he clearly has a clear head right now um, as opposed to maybe this time last year um, or not this time last year, but uh, yeah, well, yeah, this time last year and at the end of the season last year, um, I, it seems like he really has confidence. He it's good for him to have this good performance, this first performance uh, in front of the home fans to kind of 
you know, endear and gender some some support from the fans because I feel like fans are pretty quick to get on his back often um, for reasons that we're well aware of. So I think that it was very important for him to have these good these good performances this early in the season, and and hopefully he can just build on them. Yeah, no, I can't stop thinking about Thursday from a PR perspective for so many people in Ezekiel, almost especially. Uh, and it's fun to uh, have the, the hair change be right there for you. Like if you're like a journalist or a writer, you're like frothing at the mouth to make that hair change comparison, you know, of how representative it is. Of course. Now, yeah. now that he's blonde, he, it's, it's a representative of his transformation yeah. into this brand new player. When he probably all always kind of had it, you know, but now he's really kind of being allowed to thrive. And interestingly, I thought was the key to the pressing a lot of the night, mm-hmm. uh, all the night. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he never you called him a wind up toy where he just kind of like putters along for a little bit. And after he gets wound up, he speeds around for for 20, 30 seconds. But I mean, he is the first one getting out there on the press on Thursday and making everything happen. And that's. That's huge. When when those triggers, we talk about the, the triggers that make uh, Atlanta United players push up from that mid-block they're playing and start really getting after people. Uh, when when he sees those triggers, he's the first one out there, and he's causing the most havoc from a pressing standpoint. Well, we're going to have to get Seattle football in on that to talk more about. Yeah, uh, that sounds like a good idea. But uh, Frank DeBoer called I'm, out his work, his work rate, uh, totally. Marcos, in the, in the post-game press conference. That's what, when he was saying he was unbelievable, that's what he was referring to. And I, I really liked the way he said, you know, like, that is that pressing is the kind of thing where um, it's the, the mentality of a player who will get better, you know, because it shows that the effort is there. It's not, it's never been about that. It's just, you know, he needs to be, he, he, I think DeBoer even said, like, over time, he'll become more decisive and he'll make more goals and assists. But like to see this kind of effort is what you need is like the, that's the foundation you need as a player to get better. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was it was Miggy esque in the work rate. Um, so it's good that he's seen a gap where, where Miggy has left off and has so far in a couple of examples stepped up to fill it. He's probably been the best player over two games. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's extremely impressive and i'm very here for the uh the the barco lucian or so i haven't branded this yet i really need to work on it i got i got <laughs> we'll workshop it honestly yeah yeah we'll talk about it we'll talk about it but yeah i mean everything everything better everything more fluid everything more well drilled erdiano probably had one really really good chance and that was there at the end of brad guzan made one of the best saves of his at Creek. we all kind of missed it yeah. We all kind of missed this incredible, incredible save that Brad Guzan made because uh, we were, you know, on, on the... We're all typing at that point. Finishing our gamers, right, you know? Um, but it was pretty incredible uh, going back and watching the replay. Um, so everything extremely, extremely positive. And now we move on to D.C. and make a few changes, I'm sure, but probably not a ton of changes in the lineup we'll see tonight um, and, and hope things go well. Yeah, so if people haven't deduced by like the Instagram and all that, so I was told that it's going to be the same eighteen, um, or that's what I've heard. Told was the person who told me it was not like an official source or anything, but um, I think it's going to be the same eighteen. Um, but how many of those players will come in? You know, like how many subs will we see? Um, it's unknown at this point, but. Mm-hmm. The fact that the 18 is not getting switched out makes me think it's not going to be as much rotation as some have predicted or thought. 
Yes. We'll, we'll I think Tito is like the most surefire one to start. It's going to be him and whatever other collection of 10 players. Cause uh, for sure, for sure. I, I don't think we, uh, like uh, we should really get too much into a preview of a game that we're going to, yeah, because, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there might be, there might be some changes. Uh, we'll have to see. Let's go ahead. That's and, true. And I'm going to look really stupid when people are listening to this and, uh, yeah, and I'm no, completely we, we wrong. Possible deniability here. You know? <laughs> Um, let's go ahead and real quickly get to a few questions before we have to go take off. And I'm going to a bar to set up with the computer and act like I have friends and everything like that. Let's um, do it. So let's see. Let's answer uh, some this questions. Is, this is a good question from uh, Josh Bagrianski, who I'm sure we'll talk about it on Mots with more clarity than we probably could offer. But uh, I'm interested in your thoughts, Joe Patrick, on uh, the wingers were not inverted. In this yeah, I, I thought talking about Pity and, and Barco. I thought I thought they looked much more comfortable and natural um, in the game Thursday. Of course, everything is going to have looked better in the Thursday game based on the way that the team played. And I like they're so fluid. Like they did end up inverted at times. Like it's not like a very mm. um, struck. There, there's not that much. Uh, it's not what's the word I'm I'm thinking of. I can't even think of it's it. It's like but, when you go on FIFA and you're setting up the tactics and you see yeah. the, the build up from organized to free form. Yeah, that's what it is static that's the word i was thinking of um it's not that so yeah but i thought that it was it did allow them to kind of have some more link play in the wider areas which i thought helped the team like i think the second goal um was a perfect example of that barco goes over to link with with gressel on the right hand side and they create a goal so yeah i I like the way they were deployed absolutely we we still got to figure out how to get pity uh not hitting people in the face (laughs) Uh, it's like four for five on shots that have hit people in the face (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he, he'll get in the box a little more. I think the biggest thing was Ezekiel, uh, f- looking forward more as well. In addition to that work rate, that was so impressive. He was also finding chances to play people forward into the box. He, he Joe Patrick, he took a couple shots. He yeah. took two whole shots in one game. That's wild. That chip. He almost had the chip, which yeah. would have been amazing. <laughs> he was very close. He, he almost couldn't float it. That was after he he just completely dove on a tackle. It was pretty hilariously <laughs> obvious, but he almost made up for it uh, nearly seconds later. Um, let's see. We have people in here missing Mark Geiger uh, because of the, the refereeing being so terrible. Uh, lots of ref comments. I'm, I'm not going to get into that too much because we don't want to like try and dox this ref. What? Uh, <laughs> he was he was rough real rough oh yeah 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 um he was bad yeah yeah uh interesting point here from jason i, I was like worried some people were gonna start throwing stuff at some point or something like it, it got you could feel that like volatility in the air oh, at times. if, if Aridiano had, had scored yeah and made that real interesting there at the end it would have been a lot it would yeah. have been a lot happening, especially with the fans so close. It got there's like an actual there's a pitch that the that the crowd makes like a like a certain, you know, like an audible, like a certain there's a certain tone. And that tone like changed when the when the yeah. ref was making those calls. It when was, it becomes like everyone's kind of grumbling at like mm-hmm. a higher decibel level. It becomes like normal. anger. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you can hear it for sure. For sure. Uh, Jason Ward makes a good point here, I think. He, he says that 3-4-3 is going to be tough at the bends for MLS competition. Uh, the Kennesaw pitch is pretty wide. Um, I, I want to say Mercedes-Benz is a little wider. Uh, mm. But yeah, the, the space that we're finding on the wings, like we said, was was very good. Uh, we have some dude bashing Barco in here. That's, um, wow, take, buddy. 
as a just take away, fire off this ready the hot take cannon and start talking about how Barco was bad <laughs> Thursday night. We were not watching the correct game. Uh, everyone just wants to say how great everything is. I, I kind of agree. Yeah. Well, uh, fortunately, this game is going to be played in like a torrential downpour of rain turning into snow. Um, this DC oh, game. <laughs> we brought it back to the weather. Yeah. God dang it. Yeah. We'll have to watch it. Um, I don't know if you caught Portland and Colorado last night, but that was hilarious. Yes, that was amazing. Three weather and snow everywhere. Um, a 3-3 game with a 94th minute equalizer. <laughs> Phenomenal. Hopefully we get something interesting tonight. I would love to just beat the hell out of DC who... We have still never beaten on the road. That's crazy. That's insane. Just amazing. I don't think we've even gotten a result, if I remember right. Uh, Yeah, I think it's all losses. We'll see y'all on the other side of this. I'm sure Lucho Acosta has torched us already for two goals. Lucas Rodriguez has scored, and, you know, it's just going to be bad. But but we'll see. We'll see. Um, So, yeah, uh, part two coming your way. Hopefully, yeah, the the lineup should be uh, (laughs) right now. Bye, (laughs) y'all. We suck at this. (laughs) And now for something completely different. Cancel the season. Cancel the season. Cancel the season. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, So there was this thing that happened after we won MLS Cup where I mentioned that I wasn't sure like what to do from there. Like it kind of felt like after we won everything, everything would just stop. Yeah. Like I I never thought we would get this far. So I figured it would just end. Right. And I kind of wish that had actually been the case right now, because that was like five hours of total and complete garbage. It felt like a five hour goddamn game. It took forever. We had to sit there and just watch that crap. And yeah, this it is an amazing ass transition. I just realized from what we did in the preview <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, I like these two part ones. This is. I great. told you. I I told you. I'm I'm emotionally unstable, and after the Thursday game, I was like riding an all time high, and now I'm now I'm I'm like a drug addict, and now I'm like back down under the bridge, trying to. Yeah, yeah, this is um, this is manic as hell. This is all over the place for sure. Oh, I say God. we just answer these people's questions or as many of them as we can muster and uh, and yeah, get this thing over with because honestly I don't know what to even say about that game. It was Dude. just it was just I got nothing. Blah. Yeah. We'll, we'll go through the dang questions and just yeah. Have you seen we'll how many the of them there are? Yeah, there are a lot. Hey, engagement numbers up on a big night like tonight. Of course. Yeah, but it kind of pisses me off. Yeah, it's a shit ton of stuff to go through. <laughs> huh. Neat. Oh well. Um, we, got, we got ratioed for sure. That that uh that game. <laughs> In this case, that's a good thing. But, yeah, yeah. Oh well. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's just let's just bang these out. Emily Quintero asked, how much do we spend on Breck Shea? Oh, uh, what was it? Like a million something? Um well it was a free transfer. Um, and I don't think this has been reported, but I know that it's a one year deal for him. So um neat. It's a it's a it's low risk, I'd say. Yeah. Well, this is a good lead into our next question from Gabe Keeter, uh, who asked, "What should be done about the left wing back situation? Bello played poorly in Heredia, and now Shea's been just as poor the night. So who should get the start in Monterey?" That was my exact next question too, Gabe. Good job. 
Good job. Who starts, Joe? Who starts? I mean, I, back? I think Bello does. Be just mainly not about form at all. It's just about yeah. freshness. I think you know Bello. Sure, Shea has played you know two games now, two back-to-back games, 180 minutes uh, in what four days, 72 hours. So I think Bello has to start. Who knows? Like maybe he'll be better on like a regular grass field. I think right. he will be. I mean, I think that that field was just nobody played well on it. But yeah, yeah I'd go with Bellow. What it's about interesting you? to me that, that FDB kind of because I agree. I think Bellow starts just based on freshness. Um, he could play Ambrose. Like, I mean, Ambrose could play left back, but I mean, he played again tonight. So yeah, I think we, Bello, could do, we could do lots of things. Technically, we could do lots of things that mostly involve. I'm not gonna go there. Look, don't don't start Ambrose. Okay, um, but yeah, Bella Bella probably starts. <laughs> I, I had some terrible jokes. It's just not. I'm not there. I'm not in a good headspace. He'd be ready um, to play if if called upon. He would yeah, be no. ready. It, it's interesting to me though that FDB has seemingly decided that Bello is the the man for away Concacaf games. Yeah, um, and it's going to be such a jump up in in level of play and speed and everything uh, going to maybe the most talented team on the continent. You need an experienced <laughs> level-headed player to, to, you know, be able to deal with that. So, Bellow. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Start Bellow. We'll Start Bellow, always. Uh, at five stripes with like a PHY, ask, will our fan base freak out for every loss this year? Yes. Next question. Chris Jones, are you a- need- Chris Jones are you- ATL. <laughs> Wait, what? Whoa, 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 what? Chris Jones is on Twitter? Chris Jones is on Twitter. What? Is this a fake? Okay, I'm seeing it now. Is this a fake Chris Jones? Because look at this. Look at the actual handle. It looks like a porn. <laughs> it looks like. I like uh, to think he just made it like. He, zero he followers. Of How many followers? Zero. Zero. This is got to be him. So I, just, I mean, it's a brand new account. This isn't him. This is him. It's got to be. Holy smokes. How long Chris was the Jones tweet? ATL in the flesh. Out in the this wild. Awesome. This is awesome. Out of the DSS comment section into, into our mentions. Chris has leave some epic comments on five stri- or on uh, Chris has written more words for DSS than I have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Um, when is Carlton going to Germany? Is he already on the plane? <laughs> <laughs> That's dark, Chris, man. <laughs> like, I mean, I think like, uh, I, I feel like if he deserved to play, he would, it's not like he's, I don't think the like coaches are not playing him because they don't, like him or like i I think they're not playing him because they don't like his game you know like i think that there's a reason he's not getting as much playing time as we all would have wanted right and it may just be that he's just not on that level yet he could still be he could still be but yeah like yeah but it does come back to the question of of, would you have rotated more tonight would you have played someone like carlton (laughs) i mean it's easy to say in hindsight uh, <laughs> that you would have rotated more, I, yes. but yeah, I mean, like I honestly, I would have, but I think it's, I think it's a little hard because I don't think DeBoer has that many players available to him right now. Like I think the uh, so we had on the the finalized roster or the roster that was put out there after the compliance deadline was twenty nine players, so you're already one short of your regular roster squad of thirty, and then we've got. Kevin Kratz is hurt. Um, you know, there's just like, aren't that like who, what other options would you have available to you other than the guys who are on the bench? There's not that many. I yeah. think Brandon Vasquez is working his way back from an injury. 
Um, you know, like all these kind of bottom of the roster guys, like none of them are really available. So I don't know if there was that much room to rotate as much as he would have wanted. And maybe because he couldn't do a full rotation, he just decided to kind of go for it more. Um, but obviously it didn't work. So, yeah, well, we'll see. I I think Sunday, I still think this, I still think Sunday we may see a, a a bunch more changes, a bunch of changes. Oh, against Cincinnati? Cincinnati oh, against yeah. a team that's basically it's going to be a glorified USL game it seems like at this point but yeah uh we'll see we'll yeah. see I guess it all depends on how Wednesday goes uh, and at this point Wednesday may be uh, it's just the, let's not the, talk about Wednesday the one thing about Sunday that game against Cincinnati and wanting to rotate then is just the the fact that you're playing in a 70,000 capacity game in the first home game of this of the season it's tough to kind of put out backups for that kind of situation you know yeah on that stage for you know just from a marketing perspective (laughs) having all these people out to see the backups but regard i mean i think they beat cincinnati regardless but uh yeah we'll see they'll get over it um they the the big game is next wednesday so that that's more important than the mls opener in my opinion um well the coaches on twitter would definitely want to see our backups (laughs) in that game because apparently our starters are are not up to standard they're passing the ball backwards too much (laughs) so we heard so we heard and like as silly as that comment is and was and will always be um we we can talk about possession soccer, I think, and we can say that that's the idea. But when there's just no teeth to it, it's fucking miserable to watch. Yeah, yeah. Am I right? I mean, I mean like, was, I, I get yeah, it. Yes, it, but like, it, our, it was miserable to watch under Todd Todd too when we had these kinds of games. I feel like people, it's they don't readily come to mind as readily the ones the the bad games that we had under Todd Todd. Mm-hmm. But I mean. They were, there were still some really bad ones, especially if you go back to the 2017 season, which is kind of what we're in now. Like when you talk about being under a new coach, like you're really going back to basics. And I know like the media speak and the coach speak is like, oh, yeah, so much, all this stuff is all put in place. It's just about tinkering and keeping it together. But I think anytime you get a new coach, you're going to have some like it's going to be an overhaul in terms of. Well, a lot of things, but tactics just being one of them. And so I think that it, it will will have much uglier games this season, um, a, much along the lines of what we saw in 2017. Yay. We like we lost away, obviously, at DC United um, <laughs> twice. Every that year. Season. Those, those were terrible games. We lost yeah. like away to Chicago Fire that season. Mm-hmm. That was an awful game. Um, so we had. Yeah, we had stinkers and we'll we'll have some more this season, I'm sure. And hey, this is why I picked us to finish fourth. So, job me. <laughs> I'm starting to believe you now, I, I, man. I'm glad we talked about this before this game. Um, God, thanks for bringing up that Chicago game too. That's one of the worst <laughs> games I've ever seen in my entire life. I remember now, David Akam actually scored, and David Akam didn't score all last year. Bad, um, M- all right. bad MLS is so so bad. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, this one comes from Jacob Inman. He says Shea was the worst player on the entire field. And looked like he didn't even care. FTB got everything wrong. Good luck Wednesday. Thanks, Jacob. Um, yeah, is that I, like the note in his? That's gonna be in Frank DeBoer's uh, lunch lunchbox. His trapper keeper. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I know. Scott Donnelly probably get the trapper keeper of everyone talking talking <laughs> crap about him on Twitter, but I don't know if Frank has that same thing. 
Yeah. Um, obviously, there's some facetiousness here. I totally get it, Jacob. Like for real. Like go yeah. read the recap. I, I turned in. That's basically just I don't want to talk about it. Um, but yeah, I will, I will go ahead and agree that Shea was pretty dead gun bad. Just in possession, it looked like he was maybe going against the grain with what we were trying to do and was trying to push the ball forward, but there were bad decisions to push the ball forward and directly at people and never, never where they needed to be. And he was getting called out on the left a lot. I mean, he did nothing well tonight at all. Yeah. I think the, the quality of the opponent was apparent in this game um, in that regard compared to Herediano when he could just literally like gallop past players Mm-hmm. Like, a ho- like the horse he is uh, and he couldn't do that against DC United and a little no. more quality no, it looks he didn't have the space uh, too like he was in acres of space uh, against Herediano on the, those like long diagonal crosses to him and and uh, and Gressel on the other side like those those diagonal balls were on all night against Herediano and in yeah, this game they just weren't you know it was just more difficult for everybody they weren't they weren't there they weren't there it kind of comes down to the way we set up tactically, I think, too, which which leads us into two nice questions here that are very concurrent with each other. Uh, Emily Quintero asks, when is Tata's contract with Mexico till? I think it's like a four-year deal. Uh, and then Alexandria Seaborn asks, does this formation suit this team? I honestly think a 4-3-3 would be better. And so far, my experience with the 3-4-3 is, can we not? Do we have to? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. what I, Like we could play either one. It's uh, like there's learning. There's going to be a learning curve here uh, in a new formation, but let's see what we look like, you know, down the line. Once we've played in it a bit, we, I mean, the board talked after his press conference, I think it was after the press conference or and after the game against Rediano, you know, just saying like the team is going to get better week to week over the next, you know, couple months, half season, uh, it's not going to happen so quickly. So from my perspective, Atlanta United needs, if they can focus on CCL, I really don't care about these games. Like I I want to watch them. I want us to do well, but like the results, as much as like the announcers will tell you that the results are more important because the playoff structure has changed or whatnot. It's really not like come July, mid mid summer when teams are out, you know, like the, 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 the waves of the season will come and go. And right now, obviously it's very like, high profile time for MLS when we have other interests in mind right now. So mm-hmm. ride this part of the season out, get, gather some momentum mid season, you know, and try to be peaking toward when, once the playoffs come that that's what I want to see from this team. So it's hard for me to really be like super, super angry after these kinds of games. They're just going to happen. For sure. For sure. Uh, of course, I'm still like in the mindset that we, we called for the four two three one for for a top dust team last year for probably the entire year. I think. Yeah, I say and, don't be mad, and I'm like I'm steaming right now. Yeah, totally right. <laughs> so, so, what do we know? Yeah, same same as always. Josh Odom asked, "What did I just witness?" Josh, nothing good, bud. Nothing good. A lot of rain. Uh, let's see. We got questions about Shay. Questions about changing the team up. Uh, lineup is bad. Everything bad. Still rolling through here. <laughs> is it maybe possible to? This is good. Bill Mobley asks: Is it maybe possible to teach our players that one cannot, in fact, 
kicked the ball directly through an opposing player standing one to five yards away. Phil, I don't know, man. Shoot or shoot. Yeah, this is the uh, the nutmeg life that we chose. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who was it that actually... I was talking to a friend or angrily writing a recap or something, but who was the Atlanta United player who fired one off from probably like 30-something yards tonight that Hamid actually had to work for a little bit? Uh, you know what? It's funny because I had my head in my computer while that happened. I thought it was pity, but then I think it w- could have been Remedi. I think I, I saw Remedi. I think Remedi was the one who yeah. actually ended up doing it. So that one was fun. Maybe everyone can take shooting lessons from Eric uh, because right now Phil's Phil is correct. It seems like every single shot is just being blasted into someone's chest. We had um, some decent we had some decent build up play tonight. It was just like there was no that there was no idea for how to move the ball from like the second phase of midfield into like the final third to get a shooting opportunity. You absolutely. Know? Some some of our most successful transitions were were going all the way over the top, coming from the back line, playing balls forward. Yeah, um, there was a one chance where Ezekiel just couldn't quite get to it, uh, but you know, there's only that's going to only work a couple of times before DC figured out pretty quickly that hey, they're going to try to play some long balls, and it was just extremely easy. Yeah, but point. but so, I thought yeah. like I thought we were pretty good in possession at the back and stuff. Um, you could just see, kind of see like where the breakdown happened when the ball moved into midfield. So hopefully that's yeah. an area that the team will you know continue to get some new ideas on. Over the yeah. next few weeks. Well, that does make me wonder: is that two bad games in a row for Nagby? Uh, I thought Nagby was actually good in this game. Okay. I, well, I don't know. Like the first half, I thought he was one of our better players, and then second half was uh, was the second half worse than the first half? I feel like it was. Definitely. I feel like in the first half we were at least getting those. Uh, I feel like in the first half we were at least getting those those um, moments of. Uh, that we could get a little bit excited when we had those breakaways on those long passes. And then we didn't really get as much of those in the second half, but I thought Nabby was all right. Nobody really shined though, of course. Yeah, no, I I did not award a a man of the match or Lorenowitz man of the match for this one. Ooh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What filled it? What filled it? Yeah. Uh, You know, now now that I think about it, I can't even think of anyone that would deserve. (laughs) Who stood out of nowhere? Absolutely. No. And speaking about the, um, the lack of, good chances, I guess, with this. And Josh Bagaransky makes a good point on Twitter. This is probably the lowest XG maybe in Atlanta United history. I mean, yeah, I, probably. I can't think of a shot that would like put any kind of solid quantity of XG towards our total output for this. Um, how, how many shots on goal did we even for, have? One? I want to say the just, one for Remedi. Just the one, the one from Remedi? I think so. I, I've seen I, two. So the official stat sheets have two. But, cool. Uh, uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Jason Nackers. Okay. So there was another one from Pity. They were both, <laughs> we had two shots on goal and they were both from like 40 yards. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, Hail United. Uh, Jason Nackers. This is good, Jason. Ask, why does Frank DeBoer? And that's the whole question. Uh, it's fun to already see some some negative sentiment being built. This is going to be a fun season. Uh, can we get a refund on Breck Shea? Yeah, and that's I think that's all our questions actually. I think that we've got through all thirty eight of those that just popped up. Um, all of them overwhelmingly positive. I'm just glad yeah. our fans are keeping the head their head on straight. That was um, 
Uh, yeah, that's what that's what I think. Cool. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs>